Well, good morning. How y'all doing? You understand what I mean when I say y'all? It means all of you. But all y'all will be clearly plural. But my name's Adrian, but my wife's name's Lisa. She's five foot four, comes up to about right here. She has blonde hair and blue eyes, and she is a righteous fox cha-ching. Now, just in case you don't know what that means, that means my wife is godly and beautiful. <laughs> in football terms, I'll put in my coverage. Uh, she's off the heat of the sheets. I don't know what that means. All I know is this, is I'm deeply, desperately in love with my wife. I couldn't care less what you think about that. I'm six foot six. I pretty much do what I want. Let me see. I need to find a big, uh, this guy right here in the front, I know I'm not supposed to point you out or anything. Could you do, just give me a little five. Just give me, ah, God! <laughs> it's shredded. You got to be shredded to work here. So I'm just saying, uh, 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 uh. I, I, I'm in love with my wife, and I don't care what you think about that. I think men should be bragging about their wives. Otherwise, as far as I'm concerned, you're half a man. You understand what I'm saying? I'm tired of Christian men being sissies for Christ. I want to punch you right in the face lovingly. The Bible says to be slow, lay hands on. I'll do it slow. I just think men should brag about their wives. I remember Lou Holtz interrupted me one time. He said, no, sir, my wife's the best. I said, huh, coach, my wife's the best. What are you doing? He said, I'm the head coach. I said, how about a tie? We'll settle for a tie. Steve Spurrier's wife, one of the coaches that a lot of people love to hate kind of guy. Steve Spurrier's wife came up to me, gave me a big hug, whispered in my ear, the Lord has dramatically changed my husband's life. He's bragging about me everywhere he goes, and now he's bragging about Jesus, and she started sobbing. I just think if you're a married man, you should be bragging about your wife, so let's practice. I want all the married men to stand up. Take your time, hurry up, let's go. All the married men stand up. Take your time, hurry up, let's go. Hurry up, take your time. Do we have anybody engaged? Is Taylor in here? I don't know if Taylor's in here or not. It's, ah, Taylor is back again. Taylor, it has begun. Anybody else engaged? Raise your hand if it's, uh, uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Same service, okay. All right, that's right. <laughs> Good job. Okay, so uh, um, um, um. All right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to practice. I'm going to give you five seconds to think about what you're going to say. Then I'm going to give you ten seconds to brag about your wives out loud all at the same time. Whoever's loudest gets a major award. Fred Gile, you know what I'm saying? A major award from Italy. So, so you know what I'm saying? So use your diaphragm. Don't say she's a good cook. Don't do that. Come on, seriously, you're killing me, Smalls. Show these young men. All right, here, Trevor, Trevor's traveling with me. Trevor, stand up. Turn around and let him see you. Show these young men. Turn around. Hurry up before I punch you in the face. Okay, good. Okay, sit down. Okay. Show Trevor it's possible for you to be a man. I don't know. Could, Pastor, can you do me a favor and give me a little pop? Just give me a little pop. What was it look like? Popeye. Okay, so. Right. It's possible for you to be a man and love your wife. It's not some sissified thing. You know what I'm saying? It's a man thing. So when I say go, you got 10 seconds to brag about your wives out loud. Whoever's the loudest gets a major award. You got me? On your marks. And finish the 10 seconds too. On your marks. Get set. Go. <laughs> that was, listen, that was so much better than the first service. Good job. Good job. Sit down. Good job. Who won over here? I don't know who won. Who won over here? This guy right here was uh, using his gestures and whatnot. And just, this guy right here, stand up number 15. Are you Mahomes? I don't know who you are, but... Uh, uh, he was just going... I didn't understand a word he said. Good job. Good job. 
And by the way, go Chiefs. Okay, so watch this now. All right, so I want to do, what I want to do right now is I want to give you the invitation at the beginning of the message, just in case you have ADHD, QTC, 517, squirrel issues. How many of you all have ADHD? Raise your hand. Yes, I love you guys. How many of you all are OCD? Raise your hand if you're OCD. I apologize for what you're getting ready to see. Because my wife is going, she's OCD. She's going, come on, come on, make the point, make the point. Okay, sorry. Okay, so uh, Pastor, if you come up here, listen, let me just say this right now. I want to get the holiest guy in the room, so I'm calling on him. You can even see his tan looks good. Okay, so um, <laughs> let me just say this. I travel the world. I've been in 37 countries, 49 states. Uh, I travel a lot, and I know a lot of preachers. I, I've been around a lot of preachers a lot. He, in my eyes, is the top five preacher, listen, in our nation, and I dare say worldwide, and I know a lot of them. I know, listen. I know a lot of preachers, and I'm telling you guys, y'all get to have him for your church, and he's off the charts, amazing, amazing preacher. So I want him to be, be the, and Danielle, <laughs> where's the door? Okay, so she's around here, some of the ones who are singing over here. So uh, 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 I, want to, I want to give you the invitation at the beginning of the message. Just in case you have ADHD and your mind has a tendency to wonder, let it wander towards the invitation. The invitation for this morning is for you to put your trust in God. Now, he's going to play the part of God for me, so come on over here. It's not like I'm telling God what to do. Okay, now he's God. Okay, so, so here it is. The invitation is for you to put your trust in God. What does that look like? The word trust comes from the Hebrew word batak, B-A-T-A-C-H, and it literally means in Hebrew to lay flat on your face. That's what it means in Hebrew, to lay flat. That's not unusual. The word for slow to anger in Hebrew is long-nosed because the word for anger is air coming out the nose. I don't want to do that because maybe... So, okay, so uh, air coming out the nose... So God has a long nose, takes a long time for the air to get out. That's what the word slow to anger is. It's a very picturesque language. But the word for trust looks like this right here. I'm saying to God, nice shoes, by the way. I don't know if y'all know this, but he does not have any socks on. I'm just saying, <laughs> this is one cool pastor right here, man. I, I can't do that because if I didn't have socks, it'd be a personal foul. So I'm just saying, I'm saying to God, I trust you. Uh, you can step on me, you can stomp me, you can kick me. I couldn't care less what anybody else thinks about me doing this. Is it clear to you that I don't care what you think about me doing this? Because yeah. I don't care. You can just shut up. I don't care. I'm saying to God, I trust you all of my life that's on the ground right now. It's a complete trust of you. Uh, 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 you're the best. I trust you. Thanks, bro. That's the invitation for this morning. And that's why I've got these four chairs up here. There's chair number one, chair number two, chair number three, chair number four. What number is this one? Louder and quicker? One, two, three, four. Seriously, what are you guys, Texas fans? What, seriously? <laughs> Louder and quicker. One, two, three. Come on! One, two, three. No. I actually heard someone say tree. No, it's not tree. It's three. Uh, the reason why I do this is because these, these, uh, these chairs are going to be all discombobulated at the end. They're going to be moved all the way around. This is a modern-day parable to try to figure out exactly where all of us in the room, sound dudes in the back. Listen, sound guys are like long snappers. You don't ever notice them unless it's a bad snap, but we need to notice them now. Good job, guys. And by the way, where did you get that ministry worship team? They were like, what? I got saved like three times listening to them. I'm just saying... It was so good. So y'all's church, I love you. I love you guys. And people are wearing jerseys here for the Chiefs. Wow, that's awesome. This is my kind of church. I want to slap somebody in the head. <laughs> oh, sorry. I mean, good job. All right, so everybody, listen to me. Everybody's in one of these four chairs, spiritually speaking. 
Satan hates this message. He doesn't want you to know in this morning session. He doesn't want you to know where you stand or where you sit with God. He colors in confusion and darkness and whatnot. But everybody's in one of these four chairs. I'll start with the first chair, go to the second chair. I'll go to the fourth chair. I'll end up with the third chair. Now, the third chair is my calling into ministry. It's why I'm here this morning. Now, you need to know, uh, before I go any further, my dad passed away this past week. And I am empty and crushed right now. Even now, I'm about to start crying because my heart and soul, I love my dad. He's my best friend on the planet kind of guy. And it's, and, and so, but, but I knew I should be here. I knew that this message needed to be given. The goal for this message is that everybody would be in this seat before we leave here. The Lord God Almighty wants everybody in the first seat. The reason why Jesus died on the cross is so that you could enjoy this seat. This seat is what Jesus wants all of us to be in. Not, not all of us are in this seat, but everyone in this room can be in this seat before we leave here. It is absolutely possible that all of us could be in the first chair. We'll start with the first chair. Well, who is the first chair? This is somebody out there who completely and totally loves Jesus. And people do crazy things when they're in love. You cannot hide what you love. If you love something, people around you know that you love it. How many, how many of you guys know right now where your cell phone is? Raise your hand if you know where your cell phone is. How many of you don't know where your cell phone is? Lost it, huh? Okay, so watch this now. So I'm just saying, if you love something, my son, uh, he can text without looking at the screen. How many of y'all can text without looking at the screen? I bet you there's not a single boomer with their hand up right now. Oh, my hand was up, sorry. I mean, they know how to, I mean, what? If you love something, you get better at it, you improve, you, you, everybody knows that you love it. This person right here, this seat right here, loves Jesus. So let me give you an example of that. When I was in college, I was a slob. People came and took pictures of my dorm room and took them home to their parents and said, see, mom, I'm not the messiest person in the world. This guy's had pictures of my dorm room. You understand what I'm saying? We're standing outside going, because we were slobs. A girl brings our, by the way, do I talk too fast? Thank you. My, uh, a little girl brought a tennis speed bike into our dorm room. My roommate played middle linebacker. I played defensive end. She said, can y'all fix my bike? I said, sure, sweetheart. Bring it right on in here. Put it over there on that side of the room. So she brought her bike. You know, the problem was the chain fell off. That was easy. We tried to put it back on. We were like doing a worldwide record 14.2 seconds. And so uh, we, I, it was easy, but she didn't come back for seven weeks. Seven weeks later when she came back, she said, do y'all have my bike? I looked at my roommate and said, I thought you gave it to her. He looked at me and said, no, I thought you gave it. We lost a 10-speed bike in our dorm room. <laughs> Do you know how much floor space there is in a dorm room? About this much right here, and that's it. I mean, we were slobs. Somehow, we figured God gave us gravity. Otherwise, we'd be floating around. But God gave us gravity so we don't float around. So, so we figured 9.8 meters per second squared in case anybody's an uh, engineer. So God, God gave us gravity. So why work against the Lord and put your clothes away? Let the Lord take your clothing. Somehow that bike true story fell over and got completely covered over with clothes in our dorm room. We were slobs. We found it three days later. We thought someone stole it. We said, I'm glad they brought it back. They better bring it back. So, I mean, if you flicked our posters, we had Christian posters because we're Christians. I mean, duh. If you flicked our posters, the roaches would go everywhere from behind them. Christian roaches, because when you persecute the church, they grow in size and number. I'm just saying, are you getting the picture? Someone brought us one of those gallon-sized containers, those ice cream container things full of stew, delicious, delicious. I ate a bunch of it the best way to a football player's heart is through his stomach. So we were eating the stew. Then uh, I set it on the ground. I put the lid on it. Not that bad. I put the lid on it. With the ladies in the house, I put the lid on it. Somehow, though, it got slid under the bed. And out of sight is out of 
Nine months later, when it was time to go home for summer, for summer break, it was my job to clean up from under the bed. didn't take too long, like three hours. It wasn't that big a deal. And I remember uh, this gallon-sized container stuff that worked its way back into the corner. I pulled it out and said, what is this, roommate? We both got happy because it looked like it was a food container. I mean, food, glorious food. So I took the lid off and all these gases came out. There were plants growing in there. I mean, I think there's an animal going, rah, rah, rah. No, no, it's just a joke. But I'm just saying, we were slobs. We, we said, hey, you think a microwave will help this stuff? I mean, we were, you get in the picture. Uh, I had one set of sheets, and I forgot to take them home for Christmas break, which is an honest mistake. Don't judge me. And I never washed them the entire year. At the end of the year, they were crunchy. Do you understand what I'm saying? Are you getting the picture now? Can I get an amen from any of the ladies? Really? Okay, so... I don't think the women have ever said amen. <laughs> okay. okay, well, what does that have to do with the first year? It has everything to do with the first year. Why? And by the way, thank you all for laughing at my jokes because this is really, you're filling up my soul with joy right now because even though I'm really sad about my dad, you're really blessing me. So you're laughing at my jokes. <laughs> okay, stay focused. Okay, so what does that have to do with the first year? Well, my wife and I got married right out of college. I had the same roommate for five years. And, 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 and so I got married, graduated in June, got married July 30th. Uh, 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 my wife is a very clean and neat person, like hyper clean. I didn't say obsessive compulsive, but I was thinking it. She can hear a piece of fuzz hit the ground in the living room when she's in the kitchen. <laughs> what was that? I mean, she's clean. So when I got back from my honeymoon, honeymoon, Taylor. <laughs> okay. Y'all need to grow up. <laughs> when, I, when we got back from my honeymoon, my blood pressure, the first morning we woke up next to each other, there at the, uh, 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 my palms got sweaty, my blood pressure goes up, I got nervous because I got to, for the first time in my life, I had to study it. I didn't you know, we had a computer that you could, so, uh, I studied, only the boomers know that joke, okay, so let's keep going, only the old people go, amen, brother. So, I, I figured out how to do that because I studied it. I figured out how to make the bed. Now, I made the bed for my wife that first morning because her number one love language is gifts of service. I know she loves the bed being made. I love my wife, so I made the bed. 34 years later, I have made the bed just about every time for 34 straight years that I wake up next to my bride. I dare say every time. We have these pillows that go off the bed during the nighttime, and they go on the bed during the daytime. And I have absolutely no idea what the purpose of these pillows is. <laughs> I'm sorry, ladies, they're ugly. They're frou-frou. They got pretty flowers. I don't even know what a pretty flower is. I mean, what is, what is they're, I'm six foot six, weigh 200 and shut your face pounds. And I just as soon hit you. I just as soon hit you than, than but I love those pillows because I, I fluff them. I arrange them. Yes, you're once, twice, three times a lady. And so, I'm, I mean, I make different shapes and whatnot. Why? Because I love my wife. People do crazy things when they're in love. I rinse the dishes before I put them in a the dishwasher. Why would you do that? It takes a month for that. To, you can't take a shower for a year. I mean, it's like, I, why would I do it? I vacuum. I don't think any woman should ever vacuum. In the history of mankind, women should never be required ever to vacuum ever. Now, I have a gift called discernment. I discerned that was more of a female appreciation. Woo! Woo! I don't know what woo means, but I've never heard a guy go, woo! Thank you. Thank you. 
So I don't think women should vacuum because when they, when they give birth, there's some loosening there. I didn't say that issue. I'm getting beat by a rug. Okay, so watch this now. So, I mean, there's issues with the low back when they put pressure on the vacuum. It, it bothers the low back. I think only the men should vacuum or their kids. <laughs> Why else would we have you? I'm going to call you Roomba. Okay, so watch this now. So, uh, what's up, Roombas? So I'm just saying, I mean, I, I vacuum. I even saved up one year and bought a Dyson. I mean, that thing was a small fortune, but it sucks up a little dog. I mean, I love that thing. Great vacuum. It's awesome. My, we have land masses, dogs that just leave hair. So my wife, I vacuum two or three times a week because I love my wife. I rinse the dishes. I, I mop. I, I, I dust. Why? Because people do crazy things when they're in love. If you love somebody, the people around you know that you love them. This person loves Jesus. So let me ask you a personal question. What crazy thing lately have you done for him? I mean, the people in this seat are going to spend their time reading the Bible, not because they have to, but because they get to. They can't wait to read the Bible. They want to read it. If your Bible's falling apart, can you get that? If your Bible's falling apart, your life usually isn't. Read the book. Don't wait for the movie. I'm just saying, this book right here is the greatest book on the planet for the people who are in the first chair. They love reading it. They want to underline, star, question mark. Question mark's the most important thing you can put in your Bible. Because then you come and ask pastor, hey, what does this verse mean? Ask your friends, what does this verse mean? If you're asking questions, you're, you're in the first chair. If you're not asking questions, you're usually not in the first chair. Because the people who ask questions are growing. So the first chair people are going to spend time reading their Bible. Another thing about the first year is they spend time praying. Now, praying is very difficult for me because I have ADHD squirrel issues. Can you get an amen from anybody out there? You understand what I'm saying? My prayer life is difficult because I'm going to get in my mind. If something walks past me, so, so I've developed my own personal prayer journal that can keep my mind focused. It's going all different directions. Prayer journal. Why? Because people do crazy things when they're in love. Another thing about this seat is this person believes in hell. You know how you can tell if you believe in hell? It's a guaranteed method. You know you believe in hell if you share your faith. Yet 95% of people who go to church today have never led another person to Christ. There was a recent Barna poll that said 97% do not consistently share Jesus with anyone. But this person right here, they, they, uh, they, they love Jesus. And they're going to share Jesus with people. Now, they may not have the, like, like I'm an evangelist. I talk to Jesus a lot to people. You may not be like me. You may be shy and going like this. But the shy people could say, Jesus is the best thing that's ever happened to me. It's the same amount of passion as me going, I got God, I got Same exact amount of passion. It's just your personality is different, and that's okay. See, the key to the seat is not the performance. It's not how much you do in the Bible. It's not how much you do praying. It's not how much you do sharing the faith. The key to this seat is they love Jesus. Jesus says in John 14, verse 15, if you love me, you will obey my commands. Now, if those of you who are my biblical purist in the room, which I would consider myself a biblical purist, I love the Bible, uh, there's like 68 verses in this message. Uh, even though it's a modern-day parable, there's a lot. Of, so people who love me, Jesus says, you obey my commands. John 14, 21, he who has my commands and keeps them, he is the one who loves me, and I will show myself to him. 1 John 5, 3, this is love of God that we would obey his commands, and his commands are no longer burdensome. How can a command not be a burden? The only way is love. The key to this seat is they love Jesus. So when you love something, you're going to get better at it. You're going to improve. Someone could be in this seat who just got saved recently or someone who's been saved for 50 years. The key to the seat is not how good you are at it, but how much you love. That's this seat. The Bible says the joy of the Lord, Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord is this seat's strength. 
It also says, in fact, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, in fact, every one of you who want to live a godly life, you will be persecuted. So the people in this seat are going to suffer. They're going to be persecuted. My wife loves to shop. Ten minutes in a mall, my right leg goes numb. You understand what I'm saying? I can't stand shopping. I'd rather you shoot me in the... Make sure your gun sighted in. So I'm just saying, um, 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 this person right here, if you love something, the pain you go through is called entertainment. If you love football or whatever, and you get, a, you know, you get a, some pain and whatnot, if whatever you love, playing an instrument, getting a tenth on a piano, whatever you love, the pain you go through is called entertainment. This person right here loves Jesus. And so people in this seat, they, no, listen, they're not perfect. They're still knuckleheads. You're still a... You still have sins in your life. You're not a sinner. You're a saint who sometimes sins. But the, this person right here, they still wrestle with sin. They're not perfect, but they're getting better. Boom, first chair. Everybody could be the first chair. Second chair. Second chair is a person out there who's been born again by the Spirit of God. They're saved. They're a Christian, but they, they've kind of grown up in church. How many of you all have grown up in a church? Raise your hand if you've grown up in a church. How many of you have not grown up in church? Let me see if you're not grown up in church. That would be me right here. I have about 10% of you have not grown up in church. There's a bunch of you who hadn't grown up yet. Okay, so watch this now. So, so this person right here, uh, uh, they've grown up in church. They, they, uh, they're complacent or apathetic. They're a Christian, but they've kind of gotten used to God. You know what I mean? They feel very uncomfortable around the first chair. They look at the first chair and they say, would you settle down? You're turning people off. They would love it if the first chair would compromise, stop being so excited about Jesus. You know, when you come back from the camp and they go, just give them a month, they'll come back to normal. And, and so you want them to compromise, stop being so, and come hang out with them. You want to see a picture of our churches today across the nation? It would be these three seats right here. Kind of a dangerous phenomenon. Uh, the second chair, I, I remember, I'll never forget when I got saved. I walked into my room drunk the first day of two days in college football, and my roommate jumps up, runs over to me, starts screaming at me, hugging me, uh, just, roommate, how's it going? I was trying to get him off me, but he's an all-state linebacker from Tennessee, so I couldn't move him. Finally, he lets me go. I jump up in the bed. He goes back to his desk and starts reading something. So I sober up a little bit. I look at him and say, hey, man, what you reading there, buddy? What could he be reading three weeks before school starts at 2.30 in the morning? He looks at me with this big smile and says, I'm reading the Bible. Have you ever in your life, and I mean like ever in your life, ever seen somebody smiling reading the Bible? Usually it's, uh, chicka boka boka boka. Oh, man. Check. Okay, let's go have fun. I mean, this guy was smiling at 2.30 in the morning. I thought for sure he's going to throw snakes at me. I mean, I was, have you ever been around a religious person that is like, you, you stop cursing? You start floating? Hello, brethren. Cisterns. It's not the right word. Okay, so my point here is um, 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 I was sitting there in bed thinking this guy's going to ask me to drink some poison. I think he's some kind of Jesus freak. I'm going, this guy's going to eat me. I mean, I was terrified. And for the first time in my life, I'm laying there in bed, and I realized my sins hurt Jesus. I remember the week before lying to my mom about smoking marijuana. She said, you don't smoke that stuff, dude. No, mom, I'm not stupid, you know. And I was high from smoking. And my mom, I lied right to my mom, and I felt it crushing her heart. And for the first time in my life, I'm laying there in bed, and I felt my sins were crushing the heart of Jesus. And I started weeping. My dad would spank us for crying, so we didn't cry. You know what I'm saying? Anybody's dad spank you for crying? If you don't cry, I'm going to give you, if you don't stop crying, I'm going to give you some mean. Okay, so so I'm just saying, I'm sitting there in bed, just weeping. Tears are flooding out of my my eyes and filling up my ears. I'm so convicted, I can't even take the water out of my ears. I said, Lord, I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry about that. I started confessing my sins to God. Didn't know I was supposed to. I just did it. 
And I said, Lord, if there's a truck coming down the street and someone's about to get hit by it, I'll push them out of the way and die for them. And I got run over by the truck and this little vision I had, I had no idea to this day what that means other than just giving my whole life to Jesus. The next morning, I got up, uh, my roommate had to get up early, so I took his Bible because I didn't have a Bible yet. He had a big old tank Bible, King James Version. I figured if it's good enough for Paul, it's good enough for me. So I'm sitting there. So I'm sitting there reading his Bible, the book of Matthew, before practice, all, all 28 chapters. And I had about an hour before practice to read. So I read it all. By the end of the week, I read the whole New Testament, couldn't put the book down. It was amazing. Started answering my questions. It was so good, so good. The first morning we could sleep in as a football team was also, also the first morning you could uh, go to church on your own. So it's the second week in two days, back in when we did two days and three days. And first morning you could sleep in. So I get up early and go knock on the guy's door. Get up, guys, we're going to go to church. They said, shut up, man. We're not going to church. This is the first morning we, we can sleep in. I said in response to that, you shut up. We're going to church. <laughs> See, I was a new Christian. I didn't know you weren't supposed to say shut up. You're supposed to say hush. <laughs> you be still. You're doing this. Just shut up. So we got up and put our leisure suits on and sock ties. Can I get an amen from any of the boomers in the house? Staying alive, you know what I'm saying? So, so uh, 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 I remember there were seven guys plus me, eight guys total, and I looked to see who had the biggest Bible because I figured whoever had the biggest Bible had to be the strongest Christian. We all packed into my Chevy Nova, which means don't go in Spanish. So we're all slammed into my Chevy Sweet Ride, 1976. <laughs> so we, we slammed in there, and then my roommate tells me his denomination. And on the inside, I went, no, screaming my soul out because I was sure that his denomination would be dancing on the back of the pews, holding on the, the ceiling fans. I mean, I was, you know what I'm saying? I was scared. And I'll tell you my denomination growing up, I was a CME. Uh, CME, I, I went to the Catholic church, so I was a CME Catholic. I love Catholic, speaking Catholic churches all the time, so I love, uh, but I was a CME Catholic. You know what a CME Catholic is? Christmas, Mother's Day, and Easter, you know what I'm saying? New denomination. So I'm sitting there driving. He tells me his denomination. I thought for sure they'd be handling snakes, drinking poison here. It's not going to hurt you. I mean, I was terrified on the, on the inside, but on the outside, I was cool. Uh, I don't ever speak bad about denominations. I speak in 90, uh, 98 so far different denominations throughout my career. And I love all the churches. I love all y'all. I love your denomination. I ain't always sitting around talking about I love them all. But his denomination scared me to death at this point. I kind of got it wrong. You've never heard of them. They're called Southern Baptists. You've probably never heard of them. I'm thinking these people are going to eat me. So I'm, I'm driving to this church thinking, I'm going to get eaten. So I, I get out of the car and I fly to the front door, not thinking. I turn around and look. They're still unfolding from the back seat a quarter mile back. I said, hurry up. They're waiting for us. I'll get us some seats. I walk in the back of this big old church, two-story church, and everybody in the whole sanctuary turns and stares at me. Stare, stare, stare. I know why they're staring at me, because I'm wearing the same suit I wore as a uh, senior in high school. Now I'm a freshman in college, and I've gained 30 pounds. <laughs> so I'm walking in there, and everybody's, because, you know, jacket's up to here. <laughs> I've increased my bench by 125 pounds. So I, I, I'm sitting there, and people are staring at me. I'm a little bit uncomfortable about that. They're going to eat me right now before the church even starts. I thought they are going to eat me later. But I'm just, so I start talking to them. Hey, how's it going? How's Cousin Tony doing? Good to see y'all. So I'm... T- I'm looking for a row for us all to sit in. First time ever in this kind of church. And, and so I, I wanted to be, I want to sit together. I'm, I'm kind of emotional like that. And, and there was no room in the end. No rows were open for all eight of us guys. Except for the whole front row was wide open. 
I said, look at that, must be the front row. So I went all the way down, sat down right in the middle, front row. <laughs> My roommate comes in the back right there and says, no, not the front row. I said, come on, roommate, we, we can get some, watch the guy sweat, get some DNA. Come on, get on down here. So we all sat in the front row of the church for the first nine months, and I was sitting there uh, enjoying it. Saw the pictures on the walls were kind of cute, and the flowers and the painting was good. Uh, it was okay. I don't really care. I'm not looking for camouflage and gun racks, but you know what I'm saying? It's not. It's like I'm sitting there watching it. All of a sudden, this sound came out of the walls. Scared me to death. I looked at my roommate and I said, what is that? He said, it's an organ. A liver? I mean, what kind of organ makes that sound? Sound like something just died. I'm sorry. I don't mean to offend you by saying this. I mean to offend you by saying other things, but I don't mean to offend you by saying this. The music was kind of cheesy to me. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, it was horrible. I had all these albums. Albums are large CDs. You don't even know what a CD is. Okay, fine. I don't know how to describe an earbud. We had... Don't, 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 don't. You guys have little earbuds. Okay, come on. So what I'm saying here is, is uh, I, had all the, I had all this music. I had breakdancing music. Don't, don't, don't. I don't know what that looks like. Sorry. That's enough of that. Okay, so and I, had, I didn't have much country because if you play country backwards, the dog comes home, the guy sobers up, and they call off the divorce. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I forgot where I was. Sorry. Just kidding, relax. Okay, so uh, 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 I had all these different kind of albums and whatnot, and this tune that we were singing in church was the worst tune I've ever heard in my life. Now, I don't mean to offend you by saying this. I mean to offend you by saying other things, but I don't mean to offend you by saying this. The music was cheesy, but then we started singing the words. I'll never forget the first hymn I ever sang was, Oh, for a thousand tongues to see my great Redeemer's praise. I'm sitting in front of this church weeping. Look up to heaven saying, Lord, this one tongue just ain't going to get it. If out of a thousand tongues, maybe I can tell you how great you are. I became a huge fan of hymns. Had a long conversation with a guy named Chris Tomlin. I said, Chris, I wish somebody would take the old hymns and contemporize them. And he, he handed me a CD. I just finished it. It was like 14, 15 years ago. I just finished it. And I went out there. I was speaking to 12,000 students. I said, he just put the old, word, the old, the old hymns and contemporized it. Y'all need to buy it. He sold $65,000 worth of CDs in one day. Chris Tomlin loves me. So I'm just saying... I said, have you ever taught a new worship song to a group of people? He said, yeah, I do it all the time. I said, what happens to the worship level when you teach a new song? He says that worship drops out the bottom. I said, you know why it happens? He said, I wish you'd tell me. The reason why is because there's a big difference in cats and dogs. If you feed a dog, play the dog, pet a dog, the dog thinks, wow, you must be God. If you feed a cat, play, how many of y'all own a cat? Raise your hand, cats. If you feed a cat, play the cat, pet a cat, the cat thinks, wow, I must be God. <laughs> Am I right? Here, kitty, kitty, kitty. I'll be right over. See, that's what's going on in our churches today. Uh, uh, you know what a pastor's job is? How you doing, brother? You know what a pastor's job is? Herding cats. You ever see two female cats fight? Don't go there. I'm just saying, the second chair is full of cats. The first chair is the dogs. The dogs, they, you scratch and they... But the cats, they're, they're, they think they're the purpose of it. It's all, it's all about me. Jesus and all this, the music and everything, it's for me. That's the cat song. They, the cats are the ones who complain and complain about the length of the preaching. They complain about the carpet. They complain about the, the people who complain, those are the cats. They're complainers. That's the second chair. They're cats. Uh, 
Uh, see, I, I, I sat down that, that after that morning, and I'd never been to a church like this before, and I sat down, and, and the guy was preaching from the, from the New Testament. I had already read the New Testament. I didn't have a Bible. I said, girl, I remember his Bible. Give me a Bible. And I, he was preaching from the book of Colossians. <laughs> Just seeing if any of you have ever read it. So I know where it's at. Gentiles eat pork chops, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. So I turned there. Go eat popcorn, General Electric Power Company. So I turned there. And, and I started listening to what he had to say about Colossians. Well, I, I had just read that. I didn't catch half the stuff he was saying. I said, this guy's brilliant. So I take, take my roommate's pen. Give me your pen. I started taking notes in his Bible. <laughs> this is awesome. Because I knew I wasn't going to remember. I'm not going to remember. I'm not a lady. <laughs> Y'all remember everything. My wife says, you remember? No. She says, I do two things wrong. I don't listen very well and something else. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> That's the second time in my career I've ever used that joke. The first time was this morning. <laughs> I forgot what I was saying. Squirrel, I said, where was I? Oh, yeah, taking notes. First chair people almost always take notes. Second chair people almost never take notes. Because the second chair is in here going, all right, preacher, man, see if you're any good. I've heard stories, but I don't know if you're any good or not, preacher, man. But first chair people, they don't care if the preacher's any good. They want to take notes because they're going to get a nugget somewhere in the message. So that way they can go out and help somebody else out when they leave the church. That's why they're in here. Not for themselves, but for the people they come in contact with. That out there is your mission field. This isn't it here. It's just a training program here. So the second chair, so I started taking notes, awesome, and I, I turned around in church that morning because I know why the Southern Baptists are dancing on the back of the pews now. I know why they're holding on the chandeliers. I know why. So I'm going to join them. I turn around. I didn't see anybody dancing. Matter of fact, I saw two evil things. Evil thing number one. And I do this with every denomination. Not just, I'm not, I don't want to pick on SBC. I'm, all denominations seem to be doing this. It, evil thing number one, I saw people doing this. Oh. How could he be going to sleep when he's talking about God? Must have stayed up all night slopping the pigs. Then I saw... The most evil movement on the planet, and every preacher and their mom sees you doing it, it crushes our souls. People try to hide by scratching like this on Sunday morning. <laughs> Game's on at 12, better hurry up there, preacher man. <laughs> Did I say that out loud? I, I didn't know the mic was on. I mean, big clock on the wall in the back just in case the preacher's near side, you know what I'm saying? People stretch like this on Sunday mornings. <laughs> 10 minutes till 12, they take out the candy wrapper. <laughs> Cars are wrecking all over the country out in front of churches at 10 minutes till 12. People slamming their bucks. Do you have a Green Bay Packer shirt on, sir? How about that? That actually might be a personal foul, unsportsmanlike. <laughs> Yellow card. You're, she's got a chief shirt on. A house divided. Okay, so watch this now. Thank y'all for letting me be here. I mean, thank you. Oh, my groceries. This is fun for me. Where was I? <laughs> I have no idea. Okay, so I went home that afternoon, and I cried my eyes out. I thought, how is it possible that someone could be a Christian and get used to God? 
That doesn't make any sense to me. It's like going half speed on a football field. Don't you dare do that. I mean, this person right here, I mean, they're going half speed for Jesus. Really? Really? Uh, broke, broke my heart. Uh, there's, two, there's a couple of Bible verses about this in the book of Revelation. Revelation was written to people who grew up in church. That's this seat, people who have grown up in church. Now, you don't have to be in this seat. You can be in this seat if you've grown up in church. But most of the time, it's like a, a default kind of a system that just draws you in like a vortex sucking you in. But the, per, the Bible was written to people. Some people in the Bible were written, grew up in church. Like Revelation uh, uh, was written in 95 AD. The book of Ephesus was planted or church of Ephesus was planted in 61 AD. So 34 years later, Jesus says to the church of Ephesus, I know your deeds. Revelation chapter 2, 2 to 4. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. How you've shown those people claim to be apostles of being false. You've endured hardship and suffering and persecution. Great job, Journey Church. I mean, Ephesus Church. Great job. If I came in here preaching, you know, Jesus Christ might not really be God. Y'all get mad. Good job. Of course I know Jesus is God. I can prove it. But y'all, some of y'all get mad. Good job. There's one thing Jesus says I hold against you, though. You have left your first love. You've left that chair. Remember the height from which you had fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. Do you not remember first love? Do you not remember what it's like? Have some of us gotten so old in the faith that we can't remember what first love is? I remember when I was dating my wife in college. We'd been dating for three months. I was madly in like with her. It was Valentine's Day, so I bought her a dozen of the college roses. They're called carnations. Dollar sixty-nine a dozen. You remember the day, guys? Got her big box of chocolates. I love doing that because she'll eat three because she's concerned. I ain't concerned. I'll eat 72. So I got on my knees outside of the chemistry lab, waiting for the bell to ring. I wanted to give her a gift for my soul as a man to her soul as a woe man. That's what Adam said when he woke up. Whoa, man, in the Hebrew, Greek lexicon, dispensationalist. And so I'm on my knees. And I'm waiting for the bell to ring. As soon as the bell rings, the hallway's packed with college students. I'm still kind of tall on my knees, so they're just walking around me. Then I see her blonde head bobbing out the door about 20 steps from me. So I want to give her a gift. So I start singing as loud as I could. Imagine this. You are so beautiful. To me, can't you see? I'm an octave above what I can handle anyways. It's like the Red Sea. People start saying, is he singing to me? Nope. It split right down the middle. It stopped on her. Her shirt was red. Her face was red. She's going, no, please, no. She's the exact opposite personality for me. Where's Taylor? Taylor. Okay, so watch this now. So I'm crawling towards her on my knees. You're everything that I hope for, and you're everything I need. Everyone in the hallway said, shut up, man. He's singing to her. And they all stopped and were staring at us. I wasn't ready for that, but I can work with it. I'm right up next to her. You are so beautiful to me. Listen, yeah, 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 whatever. Okay. All the ladies in the hallway said, that's right. Were you there? All the guys said, hey, shut up, man, making us look bad. I mean, I like a good flipper, are we not, men? So Lisa leans down and whispers in my ear, giving me a hug. She says, I'm going to kill you. I mean, that's first love. People do crazy things when they're in love. But I've been married now for 34 years. Yeah, amen, brother. Preach it. I, 34 years of the, the ball game on television, football, basketball, baseball, NASCAR, if it's on TV, the couch and I'm Mel Bond. I call him Tony. What's up, T? 
and I'll make a noise while I'm scratching. Why do we scratch our bellies, guys? I don't know. I guess it does feel kind of good. I'm... <laughs> Round is a shape, so I'm in shape. Y'all just relax, okay? <laughs> Can I get an amen from anybody over there? Thank you, Packers. Okay, so watch the. So I'm scratching my belly, going, I'm going, okay, uh, making a noise like, I would never have made that noise while we were dating. Taylor, you just get engaged, you ain't going, it's like kookaburra, hey, kookaburra, schmookshi, pooksy, schmook, schmook. I mean, you've been married, if you've been married 34 years, it's, Lisa walks through the room with a big basket of clothes. Imagine me saying, hey, Lisa, when you're done with the clothes, you mind give me something to drink? Excuse me for the men out there who are married. That's from the pit of hell. As a matter of fact, gentlemen, I can tell exactly right now what you think about Jesus by how well you love your wives. How you treat your wives is a perfect picture of what you think of Jesus. The Bible says, husbands, love your wives as much as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So as much as Jesus loved me by dying on the cross for my, for my stinking sins, he took my punishment that I deserved on the cross, and he loved me, so loved me that he gave his life. As much as he loved me by dying on the cross, that's how much I'm supposed to love my wife. Husbands, love your wives as much as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So, gentlemen, if, you're, if you've gotten used to your wife because you're older, it's because you've gotten used to Jesus. Younger guys, if you've gotten used to your wives because you're younger and you get distracted by several things on the net or something like that, guess what? It's because you, your relationship with Jesus is messed up. Wives, I can tell exactly what you think about Jesus by how well you submit to your husbands. I'm sorry, I didn't hear any amen. <laughs> woo! No, no woos. I've never said that before at that point right there either. Okay. Ladies, submission, stop misdefining it. Submission doesn't mean lower or lesser. It just means you take your gifts and offer them to your husband and say, okay, let's change the world with these things. That's all submission is. You take your gifts and say, here, let's change the world. And by the way, husbands, it's a lot easier for the women to submit when you love them. Students, I can tell exactly what you think about Jesus by how well you honor and obey your parents. You see, people hear these things. What you don't know is I just quoted about 15 to 17 verses right there in a row out of Ephesians chapter 5. Right in a row. Am I right, Pastor? All of these are in Ephesians 5. It's not my testimony. It's a testimony of God. If you disobey that, you're not disobeying me, but God. See, the second chair, they've gotten used to people all, all the way around them. The focal point of their lives is themselves. It's all about me. I, I, I cried. The Bible says in the next chapter of Revelation chapter 3, he says, I know your deeds. I wish you were hot or cold. Two streams that came in the northern part of Laodicea. One was a hot stream. It's still there today that they used to use for a bathing and stuff. The cold stream came from the snow of the mountains. They would use for drinking water. But when the two streams came together in the center of Laodicea, there's a mineral deposit in the water that made the water disgusting. So Jesus said to the church of Laodicea, I wish that you were hot or cold, useful streams to me. I wish that you're hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. You know what the word spew means? The word spew means vomit. This seed is puked to Jesus. 
Now, don't get me wrong. He loves the people in here, loves them with an everlasting love, Ezekiel 33.3. He loves all these seeds, loves them all, can't love them anymore. Infinite love. But he hates, it's puked to him, the action, because he knows the action is destroying the person. He, the action is vomit to him. He's going to spew it out of his mouth. We'll come back to that in a second. Fourth chair. We're going to go fast with the last two. Fourth chair. Did we go fast with the first two? Okay, now watch this. Fourth chair is someone out there who knows for a fact that he or she's not a Christian. Yes! You're in here! Yes! I feel you! No, I'm not Yoda. I'm just saying, this person right here, as far as I'm concerned, is the most important person in this room. They're probably the smartest person. They're coming in here to check things out. The first chair has invited them. There's this crazy preacher guy. Uh, I wanted to name my son Neil, but my wife wouldn't let me. It'd be Neil to pray. So the, the, the fourth chair, you know, the good music, great, great music team. Uh, preachers off the charts, awesome preacher guy. We're going to come, plus this crazy dude. So you're going to have, the first chair is trying to make him feel comfortable. The second chair is talking about him. You know they're not a Christian yet. Hope maybe they become a Christian. It would be awesome to become a Christian. This is to come and tell them. Come and see. Come and, come and, tell, come and see. Well, that's about a week, weekend. I wish they become a Christian. It would be awesome to a Christian. The fourth year is not stupid. They see and hear you talking about them. So they'll come check things out. Every fourth year people knows who the first year people are. They stick out like a sore thumb. But then they see the second year. Second year, they're lying, cheating, gossiping, lusting, just like the fourth year is. Fourth year says, wait a minute now. You know there's a four percentage points difference between students who go to church who are having sex before marriage versus those that don't go to church? Four percentage points difference, that's it. Isn't that horrible? And this fourth year season, it says, now, wait a minute now. They're lying just like I lie. They're cheating just like I cheat. This stuff's not real. You're the church? Seriously? Turn off? Hypocrite. I wish I could tell you how many times I've been on airplanes. And uh, I've done this a lot. I've had several people say this to me. But one time in particular just crushed my soul. The guy had a bowl on his head, a big curly cue, white curly cue, big beard. He was an Orthodox Jewish rabbi. I had taken four semesters of Hebrew in seminary. So I took his Hebrew Bible and started reading to him. And started reading to him the verses in Hebrew. And reading, and reading to him and translating in English, but I had it memorized in English, but it's beside the point. So I'm reading to him, and I'm helping him out, and he's going, oh, and we're having a good time talking, laughing, having a great time. He comes that close to coming to Christ. I almost led an Orthodox Jewish rabbi to Christ until he folds his arms, and I'll never forget it, crushed my soul. He says, you know what? I would become a Christian if it wasn't for the hypocrite church today. Now listen, I can answer just about any question you ask me about Christianity. It's not because I'm smart. I got a 15 on the ACT. Combined. I got a 770 on the SAT. I took both of them trying to get into school. I got a, the lowest score in the history of Furman University on the medical college aptitude test. Any doctors in here? Lowest score in the history of, on the MCAT. The lights are on, but nobody's home. A couple bricks short of a load. few fries short of a Happy Meal. Elevated and go to the top floor. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, there's like a wind going through me. My wife said, did you hear anything? I said, I'm just, I'm dumb as a log, but I've read the Bible through 39 times now. 
I've memorized 16 books of the Bible. I, I've, I've had eight debates so far on creation versus evolution. I've never lost a debate. Never. Not even close. Uh, one guy was a famous atheist in the Southeast, gave us life to Christ after our debate. I, I've answered questions. That I, I love doing this stuff. I can answer just about any question you ask me about Christianity, but I can't answer the question, why are there so many hypocrites in church today? I don't know. This person acts one way when they get to church. But on the way to church, they're arguing with their family all the way here. It's funny how when you come in the back doors, you become holy. Uh, uh, cisterns. I mean, this person acts one way when they're at church, another totally different way at home, another totally different way at work or at school. They're lying, cheating, gossiping, lusting, pissy right here. Doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Now, if you think I'm throwing you down, I am. But how many times as a preacher boy have I been in that seat? Back about 12 years ago, my wife and I got in a big argument. I picked up a table and came within seconds of throwing a table. So mad. Then I called her a name. I don't remember the name. It wasn't a curse word. Just relax. But what kind of preacher pukehead calls a woman a name? Then a few years ago when my mom passed away, my brother died the month before. Suddenly I have a heart attack. My mentor died 30 years. Mentor Best friend passed away. One of my best friend's sons at the age of 29 died of cancer. I did all their funerals, all within a month of each other. I had this big old pity party, just feeling sorry for myself. Kind of left people. I'm not going to tell anybody about Jesus now because I'm having a big pity party. The Spirit of God spoke to my heart when I was preaching this message at a Rick Gage thing. I was the first one on my face. On the football field, I was soaking wet. And now that my dad's passed away, I can still hear his voice. While I'm standing here, this is the message that led my dad to Christ. I, I want to be sensitive to you. I don't want to I hate when I'm in that chair. For the fourth chair people, I'll say this right now. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I've been a second seat puke. Preacher guy. You think your preacher guy is perfect up here? <laughs> you kidding me? I'm sorry. But you know what? Fourth chair people, as smart as you are, you're not being very smart about this. I mean, you're brilliant, but you're not being smart about it. You're both in a house that's on fire. They got a flame-proof jacket on the second seat. But the second chair is singing a song, we're going to leave the house, oh Lord. We're going to leave the house. We're going to leave the house, oh Lord. We're going to leave the house. I wrote that song. You guys can use it if you want. The fourth chair person looks at him and says, you're singing about leaving the house, but you don't ever leave the house. Have you ever sang a song at church and you really didn't do it? You're singing about leaving the house, but you're, you're not going to leave the house. You bunch of hypocrites. I'm going to stay in the house and burn too. Four chair people, get out of the house. It's on fire. 
Tell Jesus you're sorry about your sins. Surrender your life to him. Best drug I've ever done. Come back in the house, sell the fortune to the second chair person. You're not supposed to be in here. Grab them by the hair and escort them out. You know what I call that right there? Call that a revival. You know who almost always leads revivals? Four chair people get saved later in life because people have been forgiven much, loved much. Now for the reason why I'm here this morning, the third chair. Third chair is the most dangerous seat on this stage. There are a lot of people, I dare say, across the nation in church right now who are in this seat. I don't know what percentage it is here. There's a lot, though. What is the third chair? The third chair, I, I talked to a guy named uh, Will Graham, and he said his granddaddy, Billy Graham, believed as many as 70% of the people go to church today are in this seat. I talked to a guy who prayed eight hours a day, led to prayer ministries. T.W. Hunt led to prayer ministries for a large denomination. He said he believed 80% of his denomination was in this seat. The most dangerous seat on the stage. It's a seat that makes Satan look great. It glorifies Satan. What is this seat? Listen carefully. It's somebody out there who has prayed to receive Christ. They've been baptized, confirmed, christened. Whatever your denomination or church you go to requires for you to join the church. You've done these things. But in reality, you're in the fourth chair and you don't know it. Am I talking about someone who lost their salvation? No, 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 no. I don't get into that controversial smack. I'm talking about someone who never truly gave themselves to Christ. The Bible says, broad is the road that leads to destruction. Listen carefully. Dangerous first, Matthew chapter 7, 13 and 14. Broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many are on it. In the context of this Matthew 7, it's the, uh, I was in Atlanta. There's an 18-lane highway in Atlanta, 18, nine on each side. Broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many are on it. But narrow is what it leads to life, and few who find it go for the narrow road. This context of Matthew chapter 7, these people on this broad road think they're on their way to heaven, but they're on their way to hell and don't know it. It is the most dangerous seat on this stage. It talks about these people in Matthew 7, 21 and 23. Many will say, Lord, Lord. They'll call Jesus Lord. Many will say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and do many miracles? They could even do miracles. If you do miracles, it's guaranteed you're saved, right? Jesus said, depart from me, you workers of sin, for I never knew you. John 17, 3 says, this is eternal life that we may know him, the only true God and Jesus whom he has sent. That word gnosko, to know him, it's an intimacy with God. This seat could talk about Jesus, but they've never truly known him intimately. Never truly given their lives to Christ. It is the most dangerous seat. So how do you know if you're in the second seat or the third seat? The massive confusion in the room right now. I sense it. How do you know if you're in the third, second seat or third seat? Well, there's two main evidences in Scripture. Evidence number one, there's actually 21, but two main ones. Evidence number one, you know you're a Christian by your fruit. Well, what is fruit? It's the action of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So you know you're a Christian by your fruit. That's how you know. If 88% of people go to church today don't tithe, where's the fruit? 95% don't, haven't led someone to Christ, where's the fruit? People aren't reading the Bible, where's the fruit? So evidence number one, you know you're a Christian by your fruit. Evidence number two, you know you're a Christian by conviction of sin. Well, what does that mean? Well, when, the, when you hear the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, when you hear the word of truth, having believed your mark, with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit, ching, ching, guaranteeing your inheritance to the days of redemption. So when you believe, truly believe in Jesus, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4, 30 says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you've been sealed. How do you grieve the Holy Spirit? It's by the last several verses before, 27, 28, 29, talk about sins that we commit. So when we sin, the Spirit of God inside of me says, I don't like that. 
It says in Romans chapter 8, verse 16, the Spirit of God testifies with my spirit that I'm God's child. So the communication between the Spirit of God and my spirit. I don't like that, the Spirit says, whenever I sin. My spirit says, I agree, I feel horrible. That's called conviction. Whenever you have conviction, it's an evidence that you're saved. If you don't, so if you're lying, cheating, stealing, gossiping, lusting, and it doesn't bother you, there's a pretty good chance you might be in the seat. If you've kind of gotten used to your wife through time and it doesn't really, you don't really care, you might actually be in a seat. Now, here's the problem. The second chair gets to heaven with few rewards. Few rewards. The Bible says about the third chair, if you know what's right, which a third chair would know because they're in church, if you know what's right and you don't do it, you'll be beaten with many blows. So this gets the lower amount, the worst torture in hell, few rewards in heaven, which the problem is these two seats look almost exactly the same. It's almost impossible to tell the two apart. It's almost impossible to figure out which one's which. If you think you're not sure between this seat and this seat, I highly recommend that when we give the invitation here in the next couple minutes, I highly recommend that you respond to this seat when I do the invitation. Because I'm going to separate these two seats, this seat, and that seat. I'm going to separate them up in the, in the invitation. I highly recommend that if you're not sure if you're in the second seat or the third seat, that you would respond to this seat because this prayer will get this person into that seat and this person into that seat. This prayer will only get this person into that seat. It won't get that person into that seat. So I, I highly recommend. If you don't know for sure, then toughen up. It's time for revival. We're getting ready to watch an awesome game on, on television. It's time for revival, right? Man up or woe man up. So here it is. I'm going to say it. I don't care which seat you're in. I don't care. Just get out and get in. Good news. Everybody's in one of these four seats. I told you Satan hates this message. Do you agree now? Go ahead and put that song on for me and crank it up. Listen, this song is old and slow. I don't care. I'm old and slow. I don't care. Listen to the words. I've wrestled in the darkness of a lonely pilgrim land. My life. Raising fortresses. My life. That I alone command. But these castles I've constructed. By the strength of my own hand Are just temporary kingdoms On foundations made of sand Listen, in the middle of the battle My life Well, I believe I finally found I'll never know the thrill of victory Till I'm willing to lay down All my weapons of defense and earthly strategies of war. So I'm laying down my arms and running helplessly to yours. Here's the invitation for this morning. I surrender all my silent hopes and dreams. Though the price to follow, I don't care. I don't care. Cost me everything. I surrender all. All my human soul desires. If sacrifice requires, I don't care. Let all my kingdoms fall. I don't care. I surrender all. Second verse, changed my life. Listen to the words. Changed everything for me. If the source of my ambition is the treasure I obtain, 
If I measure my successes on a scale of earthly gain, if the focus of my vision is the status I attain, my accomplishments are worthless and my efforts are in vain. So I lay aside these trophies to pursue a higher crown. And should you choose somehow to use the life I willingly lay down, I surrender all the triumph, for it's only by your grace. I relinquish all the glory, I surrender all the praise. Come on! God, Lord, please. Here it is. Here it is. Everything I am, all I've done and all I've known, now belongs to you. The life I live is not my own. Just as Abraham laid Isaac on a sacrificial fire. If all I have is all that you desire. If what I am is what you want, I don't care what you think about that. I am yours. Let's pray. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that every person in the room would be in their first chair before we leave here. I pray that none of us would be sissies about this. Take away our confusion. And while you're at it, could you tell my dad I said hello? We love you, Papa. Looking forward to seeing what you're going to do here in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're in the fourth seat and you want to say to God, okay, Lord, I'm sorry about my sins. I've lied, I've stolen, I've cheated, I've lusted. Please forgive me. And I want to give you everything I am. Well, not, not time out. 
Does that mean you have to lay on your face to be saved? No, 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 no. It's an attitude of the heart. But at that point right there, watch how cool. The grace of God is cool. You go from the fourth chair in one prayer. You don't have to go from the fourth to the third. It's not a performance-based thing. It's the grace of God. One prayer, one prayer, what? Bam. Grace of God. Maybe you're in the third seat. You don't know for sure if you're in the second seat or third seat. Please respond to this invitation. Please, please. I'm begging you. My dad realized he was in the third seat. Changed everything. Say, God, I'm sorry about my sins. I've lied. I've cheated. I've stolen. I've lusted. Please forgive me. I want to give you everything I am. Does that mean you have to lay on your face to be saved? No, it's an attitude of the heart. But at that point right there, you'll be in. Watch how cool this is. You'll be in. <laughs> might not work. It might not work. Maybe you're in the puke seat. My puke heads. That I felt myself in many a time. You should say, Jesus, I'm sorry about my sins. I've lied, I've cheated, I've stolen, I've lusted. Please forgive me. I want to re-give you everything I am. It's not the same prayer as that one. This is a rededication. But the cool thing is you go from there to... (laughs) That's a cool church! All right, let's pray. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that every person in the room would be in the first chair before we leave here. And we'd carry it around our heads. We love you, Papa. With your eyes closed and your heads bowed for just a second. Just a second. How many of you believe you might be in the third or the fourth seat? You might be in the third or the fourth seat. You want to get out of the third or the fourth seat. You're sick of it. Raise your hand in the air. Let me see your hands quickly. Third or four chair people, raise your hand. Hurry up and raise them up high. Let me see your hands up high. Ten seconds, nine. Raise them up high. Why would you not raise your hand? Seriously? Five, four, three, two, one. Good. Put your hands down. How many of you believe you might be in the second seat, the puke seat? You're sick of it. You're sick of it and want to get out. Raise your hands in the air. Let me see your hands. Let me see your hands. Good. Put your hands down. Lord, looking forward to seeing what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, all eyes open, all eyes looking around, wondering who would do it. We're going to do this quick because the game's getting ready to start. Hurry up. All eyes open, all eyes looking around. How many of you believe you might be in the third or the fourth seat, or you're not sure if you're in the second or third seat, you're not sure which seat you're in between these two, or, but you know you're in one of, these three, one of these two seats right here, one of these two seats here, but you're not sure too. How many of you think you might, I want you to stand up right now, all eyes open, all eyes look around, wondering who would do it. I hope to goodness you're embarrassed out of your gourd, out of your gourd. If you're not tough enough, don't stand up. Stand up now, quickly. Take your time. I got this weird feeling we're missing about 7% of the crowd from standing. I don't know why you're not standing, but you need to stand. Stand now. I will give you 10 seconds to stand. Nine. Eight. I just felt like Jesus said to me, and this is weird, I'm, I'm not a mystical guy. I felt like Jesus said to me, stand up. Come on. It'll be worth it. Seven. Six. Now, if you're afraid to stand, you should be. Ask somebody to stand with you if you need someone to stand with you. Stand with somebody. That's okay. Five. Four. Three. 
two, one. Good. All of you who are standing, come on down to the front right here. Hurry up. Take your time. Come on down here. Hurry up. With games getting ready to start. Hurry up. I don't think I've ever said that in the history of me preaching. I've never said the game's getting ready to start. Hurry up. I have this weird feeling more need to come. While they're coming, if you want to come, come on down. If you want to come and say, yeah, I might be in the third or fourth seat, Lord. I want to be in the first chair. Come on down now if that's what you want. Hurry up. If that's what you want, hurry up. Take your time. Hurry up. Hurry up. Take your time. Golly, I love seeing your jerseys. <laughs> My Packers fan. Everyone said, praise God, the Packers fans down here. Awesome. I don't even know who you are, and I love you. I have a weird feeling more need to come. Pastor, I don't do long invitations. Sorry. But I'm going to give you a few more seconds to come on down here if you think you might be in a third or fourth seat. Come on down here right now. Ready? Go. All right, those of you at the front, bow your heads right where you are. Tell Jesus in your own words, in your own words, that you're sick of your sins. Say, Jesus, I'm sick of my sins. But use your own words and be specific. Lying, cheating, lusting, gossiping. prayed this prayer with my dad. Hallelujah. Now you're praying this prayer with your dad. Then say, Jesus, I want to give you everything I am. In your own words, I want to give you everything I am. All that I am and all that I'm not. Say out loud, out loud, all of you together at once. Say, I love you, Jesus. Say it again. One more time. Welcome home. Look up here at me. Welcome home. Satan invented death. Took my dad. I think you just took your collective fist and punched him right in the face. I promise you this right now. I am not a stinking sissy. Thank you. It's time for us to punch him again. Would you walk straight out this door right here? Open that door for me if you would so they see where it's at. Just walk straight out this door. They're going to pray with you again out here. I want to deal with the pukers in here real quick. So um, go straight out that door real quick. Take your time. Hurry up. The game's getting ready to start. Hurry up. I want you to pray one more time with them. Pray one more time. I always do that. I always have them pray two times. Give it up for them. Give it up for them. Hurry up. All right, all my puke heads, all my, stand up now if you want to get out of the second seat, stand up now if you want to be in the first chair, stand up now quickly, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. Really? Are you sure? Really? Are you sure? All right, come on down here then. Come on down there. Hurry up. Hurry up. People do crazy things when they're in love. I'm going to ask you to do something crazy down here. I'm going to ask you to get on your knees down here. If you got good knees, if you don't, just remain standing. If you got good knees, what's up, student dudes? And do that. Come on down here. Get on your knees. Hurry up. Hurry up. Take your time. Hey, first chair people. First chair people. Would you raise your hand? Let me see your hands. First chair people. Would you raise your hands? 
Would you walk around this room and pray for people? Wherever you are, if you can get on your knees where you are. I wasn't expecting like the whole church to come down here. It's y'all's fault you didn't raise your hands. Just wherever you are, find out a way to get on your knees. Hurry up. Find out right where you are. Get on your knees right there. Oh, God, would you pour out your spirit on this church? Hallelujah. While you're there, tell the Lord you're sorry about your sins and re-surrender your life to God. I've got this weird feeling that some of you are getting saved right now, which is cool by me. I don't care. Right now. Hallelujah. 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 I don't know if you understand what's going on in heaven right now. When one sinner repents. Hallelujah. I'm about to bust open. Tell Jesus you're sorry. Resurrender your life to him, everything you are. Hallelujah. People do crazy things when they're in love. 